Winston Churchill once said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Get ready to be inspired. This is the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Big Fish Cares Podcast. Whether it's business, life, financial, relationships, we're sharing stories and journeys to help inspire you to be optimistic and to take action. No matter the hurdle in life, you can do it, and we're here to help. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast, and here's your host, Benny Fisher. Welcome back to the Big Fish Cares Podcast. This is your host, Benny Fisher. I have a really, really amazing guest today. You guys have been listening to the NFT series for the last couple of weeks. And you also have heard some roofing podcasts in the past because obviously my main uh, role as an entrepreneur is my biggest company is Big Fish Contracting. This guy does both. This guy is also like me. He is a roofing contractor who is also in the NFTs. We'll get into that later. But welcome to the show, Ben Timmons. He's also got the same first name. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. Happy yeah, man. I know we've been seeing each other a lot lately at uh, for roofing stuff, for NFT stuff. Uh, I know Ben is uh, Ben's from where are you from? Northwest Ohio, right? Yep, Northwest Ohio, like Toledo area. I always say Toledo; it's the only town that's big enough to you know are have you any north. Bowling Green. Yeah, Bowling Green. I'm like right next to Bowling Green, about 20 minutes. All right, see, I'm an Ohio guy, so I know. Well, there you go. Yep. What um, so tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, let's talk about Ben Timmons. You know, growing up in Northwest Ohio, and uh, give us a little story, buddy. Yeah, so um, grew up in Northwest Ohio. Um, family owned a roofing company ever since I've been born. My dad and my uncle they started it in 1993 or 1992. I was born in 1993, so about nine months after they started the company, I was born. Um, Actually, funny story on that real quick. My dad <laughs> my dad was coming home from a job, and we actually just redid the roof. And him and my mom, my mom was driving uh, the dump truck for him. It was a small little roof in Bowling Green, actually. And on the way home, they went over the big bump, and my mom, like, hit the ceiling and came back down. And then I was born the next day. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> so company started nine months before you were born maybe like the day that they, they sold their first roof maybe there was a, maybe <laughs> was a good night you know what i'm saying that that might have been it that that's i never thought about that but that would make sense business was conceived the same time you were conceived <laughs> You're, yeah i mean that would, it, my carbon the math, dating wouldn't right? yeah, the math, math does work <laughs> the math works out so tell us what it was like growing up in Northwest Ohio, because I know it's a lot more rural out there than like, you know, where I'm from in Canada, mm-hmm. Akron, Cleveland, you know, Columbus, Cincinnati. Like, tell us about what it was like growing up. Um, yeah. And your parents being, an, you know, entrepreneurs. Yeah. So the school I graduated with had 86 kids in its class, which I've come to find out is pretty small. And fifty, <laughs> <laughs> I think am I. Yeah, exactly. So you don't, you don't really realize it so much when you're in school, but like it was pretty small. And so it's a little community. Uh, we farmed probably about at the time. Well, growing up, we we've we bought more land as we, we uh, got older and the business was generating more money. My dad and my uncle, real, I mean, it's a real humble story, really, because they took a lot of their profits and they bought more farm ground. So 
like some people, they make money and, you know, they go like buy an apartment building that's like more passive. But my uncle and my dad, they would buy more farms. So that would just be more work. <laughs> like, you know, low margin farming, nothing like it. Picking up rocks in the summers. Um, I mean, just we raised cattle too when we were growing up. And I wasn't wasn't the hugest fan of doing the cattle but like you know everybody did it so so i did i actually was more into like making youtube videos and stuff but um <laughs> you know no one like, what are you making a stupid video for you know so first youtube video i guess if you were born you were born in 93 you said yeah 93 yep when did you start making youtube videos i think like well so like 20 so it's 2010 so i was like i was so in like 17 so you're in high school yeah, I was sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, well, YouTube was like just that. That was still like right when it was still like not that popular, right? Yeah, well, two thousand eight, I guess technically when I was a eighth grader, we started. Me and my brother made some. The first video was called like "Suicide Sledding," I think, and it was we pulled this, we pulled the sled behind the four wheeler, and we got my brother to crash like five or six times, and then just made a compilation of the best crashes. But it's like really grainy, <laughs> so. It's it's pretty good. I mean, he almost hit like a basketball pole in the last one. So, <laughs> so but, what's it like? I mean, like, were you just were you? Did your dad put you to work right away? I mean, when you were a kid. I mean, yeah. I mean, as, as long as he could find me on wherever I was, I was working. But also, he was gone a lot. I mean, when you we we travel a lot for our for roofing. We're not yeah, just doing Northwest Ohio. Yeah, I remember uh, one time I sh- actually had a BB gun. I shot out the uh, tractor window. I was trying to shoot a bird and um, the window shattered and I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. It's over. My dad is going to kill me. But he was in Hawaii actually doing a roof. So like, he wasn't even in the continental United States. So, <laughs> so I was safe for that one. <laughs> your mom wasn't like, wait till your dad gets home because he wasn't coming back for a while. Yeah, he wasn't coming back for a while. He was, he was roofing in Hawaii. So... <laughs> stories like that my uncle was commercial roofer um or he still is a commercial roofer and he told me stories where hurricane andrew came into town he got to go to st croix in the virgin islands and got to like, oh yeah do the roof down there and then i guess maybe a couple years later another hurricane came through and he got to go back again and like basically do the same stuff over again <laughs> yeah they got but, hit a lot down there um commercial roofer guys have those stories where they, they like got to go to these like cool exotic places you know and i think that maybe kind of helped them stay in it you know because roofing's a hard sport you know it's uh yeah it's not mm-hmm. for being a heart uh, what was it like growing up with him being gone a lot uh, with your mom and your brothers yeah so my so family company i grew up right next to my grandma and my grandpa so when my dad was gone i hung out with my grandma and grandpa it was my mom's side Till about 2002, and then we moved um, in 2000. Till my mom and dad bought or built a house out by my other grandma and grandpa, so we moved over by them, and that was right across from where the roofing company was, which was actually ran out of a old dairy barn till about two and a half years ago. Now we have this <laughs> building that I'm in, in now. So we we never would have been able to store all the insulation we have here, <laughs> being back at the dairy barn. But we ran it out of that for. I mean, when I first moved into the office, which was in 2018, we were still over in the dairy barn. So, <laughs> that's a cool story. Did you guys actually 
how much farming, how much like farming business did you guys do? Uh, you guys were also having the roofing business. So we, we do more, more now than ever. Um, and just over a thousand acres, the family farms, my brother, he's actually the full-time farmer for the family. He's on payroll as a full-time employee for farming. So we're, we're just to that point where we can have someone like full-time is now. It like, so. um, is it set up as like two separate businesses? It was like Timmins Farming and Timmins Roofing, like or Technique Roofing? I know it's Technique Roofing, but like... Yeah, yeah, it's set up as two two separate companies. There's Timmins Farms and Technique Roofing Systems. So. Let's talk about the farming for a little bit because that's interesting. My, uh, my uncle, who you're going to meet in Pittsburgh, who's in commercial mm-hmm. roofing, and it's my mom's brother. They grew up on a farm uh, in Minerva, Ohio, and um, okay. you know I never got to see that because they, my grandma had moved away from the farm. I think when I was like a year old, so they moved into the suburbs because I think they were getting older. My grandpa also got hurt in a farming accident, so he couldn't farm anymore. Mm. But tell me, um, like, what do you guys do? Do you have beef? Do you have cows? Like dairy? Like, is it like chickens? Like, what do you guys do? Yeah. So growing up, we had some some beef, and it was um, we actually had quite a bit of head of cattle. I think. At one point, we were probably not all ours because we had some people that had cattle in our our pastures, but I think we had probably 50 head um, at at its peak, which quickly that declined because as us kids got older, less interested in doing that, um, you know, it's a lot of work having that that amount of cattle. Mainly what we do now is just uh, cash crops, so soybeans, corn, wheat. I mean, that's really what we're doing right now. I'm... So it's I just mean, a, a bunch of bunch of um, fields, and you guys just grow, grow stuff, and then just harvest it, and then sell it. Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. I mean, so like you get to so a couple weeks ago, you know, like no one's in the office besides myself and um the my cousin and my aunt who are the secretaries here, and then also another gentleman that we have in the office now because everybody was out farming. So, but like it's just like a herculean effort there for a week and then tapers off and then in the fall another everybody's back at it for a week you know um or so depending we we got pretty lucky this year like two big sprints right like yeah like a a spring harvest and a fall harvest and and but like during those area times when you're not actually you know cutting you know like, I, don't, I don't even see. I don't even know the right words. Plowing stuff or like cutting stuff down. Like it just grows on its own. Like you don't have to like. Do you have to do? Anything no. Yeah. Like I mean, you gotta. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I wasn't the most like uh, involved in the farming. You didn't pay, you didn't pay attention right. when you were growing up. No, I mean I was just like, I don't know. I just wasn't interested in it so much because I was associated like cattle with getting my ass beat. So it's just gotcha. kind of how it was. So like. Gotcha. You know, I didn't. If I didn't do something right with the cows, it was a huge deal. So I'm like, I don't want anything to do with them things because yeah, it's right. like a <laughs> they want to get in trouble. They want to get in trouble. So like, they'll, I'm curious, like how much like I get like that when like you know we got to cut hay down, we got to cut corn yeah. down. Like that's like a lot of work goes into it. But what are they going to do between you know gr- when it starts at you know baby stuff to where it grows? Like do they have to they have to spray? Yeah, so you got to spray it. Yeah, you got to you got to spray it. Um, you know pesticide herbicide fertilizing it they're spraying it um this so we haven't we've had it planted for like two weeks and uh, my brother just i think he just got done him and my dad and my my uncle spraying spraying fertilizer um and you got to go work around the rain and but um it's a you know it's definitely work but there is you have some time where you're not really you know 
sprinting and getting stuff done. But there's there's equipment you have to work on just like anything else, and you're pulling this out and using a combine. So, like, you got to maintenance it and get it working. And combines are, like, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, so you definitely want to keep yours working (laughs) for as long as possible. How old is your combine? The one we have right now, to be honest, I'm not really sure even Just how old it is. I, I would say it's probably 12 years old, 15 years old. I feel like oh, my aunt and uncle still have a farm back in Minerva. I feel like they got something that looks like it's like from like 1960s or something. Still, like I could be wrong. Yeah, ours they, is ours is ours is. Yeah, you can't. You really can't like uh, buy equipment if you're smaller. It's like a larger yeah. person's game because. Like even at a thousand acres, you know, I think I, I believe a combine. I mean, I don't know now with prices. I don't even know what a roof costs now, but like yeah, I know me too. <laughs> they have combines, I think, but their their tractors that they have because they only have a couple hundred acres of stuff. But like their tractors that they have, they like you know they got tractors that look like they're from like the sixties and seventies that are still going strong. They say they're still better than like you know they're, they're like it's still better than the new stuff. And I'm thinking like. Yeah, I mean you're you're dropping, you know, probably one point three million on a combine right now if you buy a oh, new really? one. Yeah. So that's like more like for commercial grade type farmers and like it's like Yeah, so you're big- buying used. You're just trying to keep it going. And uh you know, a tractor I think you're probably more like two hundred fifty, three hundred and fifty thousand, something like that. I mean if like a big John Deere tractor. Yeah, probably two hundred. I mean, I don't know right now, but like, so a lot more expensive than buying like a pickup truck for work. Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But they last a long time, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they definitely do, and especially if you're maintaining them, which you're gonna because you bought it for two hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, you're <laughs> so, out there tinkering but, with it, fixing it, and I guess if you're only using it for big hauls a couple times a year, it probably doesn't get that much wear, right? Well, you got to plow your field. You got it. You know, you got to spray it. A lot of times you're using something different to spray it, but um, sometimes you're using a tractor. You got to plant it. You got to, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they probably get quite a bit of hours, I would say. It just depends on um, what you're planting and what you're planting there next year. I mean. And you said your brother takes care of all that now. Yeah, he, he'd put me to shame on, on this podcast right now. So. No, it's all right. Well, what I was going to say is we're going to have your brother come on, and we'll just do a whole episode on farming. Cause yeah, he, he'd love it. He'd, but you know roofing and NFTs. He knows farming, right? Yeah, and then there, he knows he farming. You, right? like, my uncle could come on and probably make fun of you because, like, you know, he probably Oh, yeah, and then, people. like, my dad my dad and my uncle, they'd make fun of the full-time farmer, my brother, because he doesn't know or something. That's cool. So, like, you just kind of gravitated towards more towards the roofing. Now, did you, when you were in high school, like, did you kind of, like, did you say, like, hey, Dad, like, I want to, like, you know, be in the roofing business? Or, like, how did that work? Like, how did they decide? Or how did you decide what you ended up doing with your life? Yeah, so I never really, per se, gravitated towards the roofing. I uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, so, like, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm not going to, like, you know, my junior year of high school, I was roofing um, in the summer, 2011. That was the first roof I was putting on with, you know, I was just, like, picking trash up and stuff. But um, then I went to college in 2013 or 12 to 2012. 
And um, like I, I think I was going for accounting. That was like the goal because that's like what my dad wanted me to do. Yeah, because yeah. there's not probably because your dad probably needed an accountant, right? right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably want somebody in the family you could trust with all the family farming money and roofing money, right? Yeah, so that you know that's what I, he wanted me to do. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do that. And then in 2014, I joined the Army National Guard. So I left for he was like five or six months for uh, training. So just basic training, then advanced training, and then which was nice because they in Ohio they have a scholarship where they pay almost your entire bachelor's degree, like the full face value of it, up to ninety six credit hours. When I was going, wow! And um, I'm sure, that's one other reason why your dad probably wanted you to do that, huh? Yeah, he he was pretty happy with that because <laughs> you know he didn't have to help me out with any of the college. So there I think maybe like he I think he did pay for like one semester, um, but. When I got back, I actually started a commercial cleaning company myself. It was called the Grime Police. And, yes. <laughs> I learn something about you every time I talk to you, man. <laughs> yeah, so I started this company called the Grime Police, and I started cleaning like commercial facilities. and uh, started doing carpet cleaning, ended up doing uh, floor care, like stripping waxes and floors. And I did that for... A good amount of time. I mean, um, I was operating on the like lowest of low margins. Like the other day, I seen one of my proposals, and I was proposing twenty one dollars an hour is what I was going to charge them to have somebody actually do their cleaning. I was like, oh my gosh! <laughs> like, no wonder why I didn't make much money doing that. And you weren't even doing it yourself. Like, you were actually hiring somebody else to do it. You were just kind of like. No, I was cleaning a lot of toilets myself. <laughs> yeah, well, back then, I mean, twenty-one dollars an hour might not have been bad for just you, but that's just you know, that's you know, employee wages. That's not, that's not business wages on top, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You don't know so, that when you're first starting out. That's all right, man. That's oh no, right. I didn't know. I was like, you were in the business, man. My my, my proposals like look really good, but um, yeah, there you go. Twenty-one bucks an hour, but yeah, no. So I cleaned a lot of uh, like Walgreens. Um, actually, just this is a fun story. So it was. They pay me $85 to clean a Walgreens, to um, go in, mop the floors, buff them with my propane buffer, all the floors. And then it was an extra $15 an hour, or excuse me, $15, an extra $15 for the service if I cleaned the bathrooms. So I was like, well, yeah, I'll clean the bathrooms too. I'm already there. So this isn't even that long ago, man. You're young. Like, this is like, yeah. Like, what year was 20, 2014 through 2016. You were cleaning. You were cleaning bathrooms for the extra fifteen bucks. Like uh, the yes. guys and the girls. Like guys, yeah, fifteen, both. girls, fifteen. Yeah, like taking the tampons out, everything, Did man. You get like fifteen for each bathroom. No, no, for both seven fifty. So seven dollars and fifty cents for the boys' bathroom. Seven dollars <laughs> and fifty cents for the girls' bathroom. Yes, yes. That's how you went, man. That accounting degree didn't pay off very well. No, right? no, I was I was halfway. I was only like one quarter through. <laughs> you know, I'm saying the math skills. Like they weren't. They just weren't. Like they weren't there. No. All the way. No, what they weren't there. Out, what did you figure out that that wasn't a good deal for Mr. Ben Timmons? <laughs> well, you know, after about a year of running rampant, working like le legitimately like 90, 100 hours a week, like just straight up killing myself. And I'm like, man, I'm just not making any money, you know? Like, <laughs> like, like I'm going to have to go work on the farm. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have made way more money on the roof. And like my cousin was working on the roof and he's got all this money. And I'm like, you know. <laughs> working my ass off, have no money. So like, I would like pick it like in the morning, a guy would go with me. We'd work all day going to these dollar, uh, 
family dollars because they would let me do it during the day while they were open and clean the floors. So I do like six of them across the area. I mean, I went all the way to Canton. I, I did like Mansfield, um, went down the line. Being like a brand new business, getting in there. How'd you even get the contract for Walgreens? I mean, other yeah. Than so it's really, it's like a really shady kind of business because they're all like nationally, national groups that subcontract all the work out. They find the vendors. Uh, okay. It's so like sub of the sub. I was a sub of the sub, but then I like got past the one sub, so I became the sub um, eventually. But it's still, it's just like a revolving door business, man. They just like bring in it's. Low barrier to entry to be a cleaning company, so it's easy to find the new, next new guy to have them do your stuff for dirt cheap. And they just don't build relationships, though. So, But anyways, so I went from doing that, just like, so I pick a guy up in the morning, we go do all these family dollars, and then drop him off, grab another guy, and then we'd go to, like, Harbor Freight and, like, strip and wax the floor all night. And uh, so it was just, like, a lot of work, and... Um, I actually had a guy from Bangladesh move in with me. He went, went to, uh, like, he needed a roommate. I had a four-bedroom house in Bowling Green, had one guy living there with me. So I moved so him in. College? Yeah, I was going to college still. I was taking, like, one class. Bowling Green about, what, half an hour away from Yeah, and I lived there. I actually lived in Bowling Green. Okay, but, like, close enough that you could still take your laundry home and have your mom do laundry, right? Yeah, yeah, I could. I could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could have. And it was, uh, so, you know, like I did a lot of work. The gentleman from Bangladesh moved in with me. He needed a place to live to get his master's degree. Ended up like having him work for me because he couldn't pay rent. Um, who would have thought? <laughs> I clean the bathrooms for $7.50. Yeah, he just wasn't very good at it. I didn't teach him. Um, I just still talked with him. We call him Noble. That's his, his name. And, uh, I had to teach him how to sweep and everything. It was a good, it's a good story. Um, he's a good guy. He lives in New York still. But um, That's cool. And so, yeah, but then I went and I worked for, I started doing stripping waxes, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to start charging more money. You know, like, what, what do they, what, you know, I don't get a job. Who cares? So there's a dentist office in the area, and they were on the radio. Like, and I'm like, all right, they got some money. They're on the radio. They're, they're a dentist, you know, so I, like, doubled what I'd normally charge and I got the job. I was and and did it. We did a good job and they're really happy. And they booked us again to come back and do it next like the next six months later. And then I was like, whoa, like you can actually charge more money and do this stuff. So that's when like I, I learned that and then that was at the same time like where I had my dad like on my ass about like, you know, are you gonna finish college because I was taking like one or two classes and so I end up finding someone to, to buy all my equipment and I, I sold them all my equipment and this is like I'm condensing the story it's like over like a uh, year strip. yeah no, that's fine it's over like a year where you know it's just like pressure all the time from the parents to like finish school because no one in my family ever finished college or went to college and then um like I, I wanted to do this cleaning thing, but then you're like burning yourself out, not making any money. Yeah. And I finally figure it out a little bit. And then, you know, I end up stopping it and I think it was, so I sold all everything off and then some of my big clients gave away to a couple of people in the industry I knew and then finished college. And then what, <laughs> and then, then what did you do after college? Just go back to the roofing business? Yeah. So I went right into 
right into the roofing company. So that was in, so I stopped doing the grind police in 2016, maybe early 2017. And then went to full-time college, switched my major to political science because I mean, it was like the easiest thing to do. And, um, like you get to argue with people all the time in political science, even like if you don't even believe in what you're arguing with, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So like typical politicians that you see on like on the shows, they just argue and argue and argue. Yeah. Right. It was great. I mean, like I, cause like everybody in college is basically like liberal. So like, if you just take a non-liberal stance, everybody wants to argue with you. So it's like, this is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and growing up in, like, northwestern Ohio, it wasn't that hard to take the conservative side of the things. No, definitely not. I mean, everybody's, you know. And you can actually experience since your family has been entrepreneurs ever since you were born, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. you definitely have, you know, a pretty unique story in that regard. Tell me, um, so tell me what it was like when you first got to, you know, technique roofing, you know, officially as a a real employee. Like, this is my real job. Like, what did mm-hmm. your dad start you out doing? Like, what, what was your first role? Yeah, so, like, I did work in the summers. And actually, at one point, I had, like, I worked in the summers before I started Grind Police. And then also, when I had, I had, like, four employees at one time. And I had nothing for us to do for, like, a while. So, we all went and worked on the roof. And he just subcontracted me. So, I I was always working on the roof in the summers. And then uh, it worked well, out great for him. Do the tear offs and put them yeah. back on the roof. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're doing all the tear offs and then we'd all leave and <laughs> we go burn, clean some places. You get pitch burn? Yeah, we get the pitch burn and then we go clean okay. some some toilets. But uh <laughs> Fun life, man. Yeah, it was great. Um <laughs> and so yeah, so I once I graduated, right before I graduated I started working full time as a repair guy. And then when I graduated college, which in, was in twenty eighteen I was still full-time repair guy. And then in 2018, I actually came into the office as a uh, operations manager because um, the gentleman that was doing that job, um, he ended up leaving the company. So I came in and filled that void uh, and been in the office ever since doing that job, running the repair department, running one of the crews. And then my cousin Derek came in to the office from the head foreman in 2020 so that so i stopped doing anything to do with the crews and then a gentleman named chad came into the office this january and now i don't do any of the repair department stuff either so just yeah, basically you don't, you don't go on the roof anymore unless it's with a tape measure yeah i'm doing inspections yeah for sure inspection you, inspections you and sales you do core cuts oh yeah 100 percent. yeah all right, well, I do cool. repairs. Like this weekend, I did a repair because I was like next to the Circle K that was leaking. So well, that you're up there, right? if you're yeah. there, right? it was you know pretty pretty easy repair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll 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 do. I love roofing. I mean, it's 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 fun to get out of the office and get on the roof. I think um, there's just like so many less problems. You just got to do what's in front of you. So when I first started, um, this is kind of cool because I have a you know little different story, but um, my uncle's been in commercial roofing ever since I've known him pretty much, ever since I've you know been old enough to realize what he's done. He's been in commercial roofing, and so when he would have summer jobs in Ohio, because they would used to do all the, like, the Macy's or the Kaufman's, or I forget what they were, I don't know what they are now, what are they, Macy's? They're Macy's now, they used to be O'Neill's and Kaufman's, department mm-hmm. store stuff. Yeah. And they'd, and they'd have some in Canton, they'd have some in Cleveland, some in Mansfield, 
And when they would have those, and he'd have to come over, and all of our family lived over there, he'd call his brother and his brother-in-laws. And then as I got into high school, like as I got to like, I think 15, 16, every once in a while they'd drag the kids out. You know what I mean? And like, we would go, we'd get up on the roofs, tear them off, and I'd hear stories about, you know, how my dad and my uncle were out there and my other uncles and... And they were just doing this for extra money, you know, in the summer times. And they were telling, you know, nobody ever said anything good about it. Like, everybody said it was awful. It was the worst. <laughs> you know, but, like, but our family, you know, they're from the farming business. You know, like, it's, like, the hard work is just what we do. And, uh, but as a kid, I'm thinking, like, man, there's always got, there's got to be a better way out there. And I remember the summer after I, I graduated from high school. I was only 17 years old. You know, I was trying to save up some money because I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be the first person in my family to, like, graduate with a four-year degree because I was the oldest grandson. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, hey, come over to Pittsburgh for the summer. And there's a prevailing rate job out there on a government there building. There you go. That we, you know, back then it was like 21 bucks an hour. This is in 1999. So I was like, wow, like, that was a lot of money. Because <laughs> I was making $5 an hour at the grocery store that I was working at. Oh, yeah. That's good so money. Yeah, so I was like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, so I moved over. to. I stayed at his house for the summer. And it was a night job. We'd go in at 6 p.m. at night and usually end, like, around 3, 4 in the morning, whenever the roof, you know, whatever section we tore off would get put back on. That's when we went home. And there was a, it was about six stories up. There was a chute, and then there was a big 30-yard dumpster at the bottom. And then the guys would be, you know, because I didn't know anything, of course I was doing all the labor work. We were shoveling rock off a roof down a chute. And then, and then they said, "Hey, kid, you need to go downstairs and move the and move the chute and move the move it to a different part of the dumpster." And I'm like, you know, I didn't know. I was just doing whatever I was told because I was literally not able to do anything like you know technical. Yeah, um, yeah. So I went down there. I got the dumpster, and then I'd have a walkie-talkie, and they'd be like, "Hey, kid, just stay down here and just keep pointing it. Like, hold it and point it." Well, yeah. I'm in the dumpster, <laughs> I'm holding it, and the and rocks just coming down, and it's coming from six stories, so it sounds like. It just sounds like everything's just going to land on my head and I'm in this dumpster. And I have a hard hat on. Grant, that hard hat would have done nothing for me. <laughs> like something that actually happened. But I'm in there. I'm getting dirty. Like, you know, like there's dust going up. and breathing in dust. You know, I think, you know, I would ask for like masks, you know, and back then that was before COVID. So, like, I just had like one of those like COVID masks on. It wasn't even like doing anything. It was, wasn't an N95. <laughs> Even if it was, like, I mean, like there was so much of it. Like, I don't, I don't think it was really working that well. But yeah, I didn't, you know, know any better. And at the end of the night, you know, those roofers would all get off the roof. They would all, they don't all bring their coolers. Their their beer would be on ice inside their coolers as soon as they got off the roof. I don't care if it was three in the morning, five in the morning, they go down in the parking lot. They wouldn't even go home. They they would sit there. They would drink their beer and then they would drive home. And I was like, that's an interesting life, man. That is an interesting life. But I was just soaking it all in. And, like, you know, and of course, the language up on the roof, like the, the stories that they say. I mean, these, are, <laughs> these are hardcore roofers, man. I definitely had a, a, a just a learning experience, I will say. Um, it, would, it did teach me a lot about hard work. It taught me a lot about logistics because definitely every time they would have to stock the roof, I, the part that was fun for me was, like, hanging out with the cops down on the road where they would block off downtown Pittsburgh. Yeah, and traffic and I would do some of that stuff because I started like, you know, that was kind of fun for me because like, you know, I was obviously a per- terrible roofer, a commercial roofer. Um, <laughs> so I realized, man, college is going to be so much better. I cannot wait to go to school. So I got back that summer 
went to Canton, Ohio, and um, you know, went to college and lasted about three weeks there, and I was bored out of my mind. So that was my early days stage roofing. And then, you know, I think 10, 10 12 years later, uh, he calls me back up and helps me move over to Pittsburgh to help him run his roofing company. So I'll stop with my story on that, but just to give the people at home some perspective of of my days in commercial roofing. And then uh, you, I know you guys do Duralast products, which is when I came back to Pittsburgh um, in 2010 to help my uncle with his company. That's what he was putting on. He still does that today at Slego Roofing. So yeah, see, see, now we we you know I don't know they probably had it back then, but. We suck the river rock off with like this, uh, you know, we have a company coming and do it. That way we don't got to throw yeah, it six stories down a chute. There's a vacuum rock sucker now. Like, yeah, they rent that out. And yeah, you, don't yeah. shovel, you don't have to shovel it down a chute anymore. Yeah, it's a lot better. It's only like, you know, well, now it's probably like, depends on how big the roof is, but it's probably up to 50 cents a square foot. Yeah, now. but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you're not like, you're just not, yeah, you don't, you're not, yeah, you're not paying guys up there to break their backs for like, you know, like just. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally it's worth it. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like right now we have like these sh- the ladder vaders for shingles and like mm-hmm. you have cranes that can lift shingles up on a residential roof so guys don't have to break their backs, you know, doing some of that type of work. But so yeah, everybody's got a good dumpster, dumpster uh, man story. I love being well, in the dumpster myself because like, it was like, it's a job that like I actually could do when I first started. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep, you know, distributing this stuff evenly. This is great. Yeah. Well, and I can be proud of it, right? I can be like, oh, I'm packing it in. I'm yeah, right. And upstairs, up, up top, they were putting in tapered insulation, and we we're going from 12 inches down to two inches. And we have like X panels <laughs> and Y panels, and they're, yep. they're making cuts, and they're asking me to use a Barrett knife. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. The funnest part. The most fun part for me was snapping the chalk line. They'd have a chalk line out. They'd say, Ben, go snap the chalk line. <laughs> like I'm 12 years old or something. Like, like oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, it was kind of fun. I don't know, man. People are probably sick of hearing my commercial roofing story. So, anyway, let's get into the fact of how we met. How, how did we meet? Tell everybody at home how we met. So, how we met. So, we met. Explain to them in a way that they're going to understand. Yeah, So, so we're both both following Gary Vanderchuk, right? He he gets on for a couple months straight telling us about, you know, telling everybody May 5th, something's going to happen May 5th, and, you know, be ready to buy something, basically, right? That's what he was saying. Like, so everybody's ready. And then he does, I, did he tell everybody it was an NFT drop at all? Oh, yeah, he was definitely, yeah, yeah do your research on yeah, he was telling everybody. To okay. do yeah, like it, you knew it was like an NFT. Everybody knew it was going to be an NFT, right? Yep. Yeah. So, and they then didn't he, know, they didn't know they didn't know what it was going to be called until I think like you know May third. I don't know until he released like the launch of his that new company called yeah. V Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then he releases this project called V Friends, and there's an auction. It was supposed to be an, a like a Dutch auction, which which went a you know a muck somehow, and end up just being. Basically, you buy. Was it still a Dutch auction? I thought like auction. Yeah. So Dutch auction for everybody at home is where they start the price at one, one level, and yeah. they drop yep. it down to where like their minimum is, and people can buy it on the way down instead of like you know most auctions are the other way where it's the highest bidder. Yeah. This they all like they release token. They release the the items. They start them like you know. Let's just say they started at a hundred dollars, and then they have a limit of five dollars, and they go to ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety seven until someone snipes it and buys it. 
Um, but most of them sat on the floor anyway because not that many people knew what NFTs yeah. were. So. Yeah, most of them sat there for on the floor. Like, for a week. Yeah. yeah. They sold out after a week, though. Yeah, so then they sold out. And then so one of the NFTs that was available was this one called a Hangout Hawk. And yeah, there was 100. Behind me. Yeah, right behind Ben. And there's 125 of them. 124 because Gary has one. And he said in his Discord, which is, you know, an, an app, messaging app, that if you're a business owner or want to be around business owners, you should buy a Hangout Hawk is what he said. So to me, when I was looking at all of them, there's all these crazy characters. I mean, tons yeah, of them. 235 characters or 250 yeah, characters or 250, something. 50, 60, something like that. Yeah. Crazy yeah. ones. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, like the pea salad, <laughs> like, you know, like I think I bought the hardworking Wombat and uh, the Dope Dodo and what was the other one? Oh, the Sensitive Centipede. I bought that for my brother. And uh, he's not even sensitive. It's just funny. But uh, <laughs> and um, then the Hangout Hawk is another one that I bought because of the video. Gary said, you know, if you're into business, you're trying to grow your network in business with like minded people. You should get a hangout hawk, and I was like, because I was for me, it was in between the gift go or the hangout hawk. And then when he said that, I'm like, I got to get a hangout hawk. So then, I mean, I don't even know if I was in the Discord chat very much. Our first, so you get five every year. We get five Zoom calls with Gary that are an hour long. It's basically Q and A the whole time, uh, or it is Q and A the whole time. Um, and I mean, it's it's just crazy like to explain this because it's so hard to explain for me. Even though I've like explained it to a hundred people here and like you know, but it's essentially we connected through that. I seen there was another roofer, and then I'm like, well, he's probably you know from like L.A. or something. And he's yeah, didn't, he, didn't somebody like, didn't Gary say, Hey, in the chat, tell everybody where you're from and like what you do for a living or something. Yeah. It was like the old, a, old AOL. He said like sex, yeah, age, location. location or something. Yeah. And, and then my name's Ben. I, I go by Benny. You go by Benny in there. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, I probably said I was 40. You probably said you're what? 27, 28, whatever. 28, yeah. yeah. And then you probably said you were from Ohio. I probably said I was from Pennsylvania. Then we were like, oh, wow, like, that's what it's like. I'm from Ohio. You're probably like, oh, like, what do you do? I'm a roofer. What do you do? Oh, I own a roofing company. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it yeah. was, the only thing I was like, the only, like, part of it where I was like, oh, man, it's because you were from Pittsburgh. And I'm like, he's probably a Steelers fan, man. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be, it's, it was going to be hard for me to get over, but I didn't yeah, have to worry well, about it. I hear you, man. But when you come <laughs> out with a Browns fan, it was love at first sight. Dude, it was. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like you the dogs out. Woof, woof. Yeah, I mean, people say fate's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this was meant to be. You know? This craziness. So, then, uh, uh, man, that's. Yeah, then we started like you know like probably friend requesting ourselves on Discord and Twitter. And you there? Did I lose you. I feel like I lost you. Did I lose you? Oh, you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. All right, cool. So, anyways, uh, what'd you say? I didn't. I didn't get that. I said we probably like started connecting like more like digitally. Like we probably like you know we're friends on Twitter, and then I think we were friends yep. on like, Facebook and, and like, yeah, so definitely all the web, the web two stuff, right? Like 
yeah, the Web two stuff, and uh, and then Discord. I'm sure I've seen you in there as well. And I, you know, on the first Hangout Hawk session, you asked a question, so I I got the see asking that question too. And then I think after that, I I stopped by because I'm in Pittsburgh occasionally for work, and I was like, shit, I gotta stop in and say what's up. So. Yeah, yeah, you were looking at, um, you, you, you do some commercial roofing out in Pittsburgh, you have a, client, a couple of clients out here, and you said I'm going to be in the area, and I think at that point, because I hadn't been to any other events, like, you were going to be the first person I ever met, like, from this new world of um, yeah. NFTs. I think, I'm, I can't remember if at that point I had met um, Ron Jordan for lunch yet or not, I don't think I did, um, but yeah. Anyway, you were. We were definitely the. We were definitely. I I don't know. I want to say we were the first Hawks that met. I think. I think think that we were. We should. We should probably figure out if that's true or not. Yeah, we should. We should figure that out. That that might be worth something. Yeah, because I remember (laughs) taking a selfie with you. Yes, by the van. I gave you a couple books because I always give people books in my office. Yep, four of them. Um, Yeah, I gave you a book on uh, EOS. I gave you a book on a couple books on EOS. Gave you a book on baseline selling. And, uh, yeah, and then we, like, and then what? What was next after that? Then we asked each other if we were going to IRE. Yeah, well, well, first I, I uh, listened to all the books on audio within, like, a week because I'm like, <laughs> hey, I got I to gotta listen to them, which I, I, it's hard for me to read books because, you know, driving so much, so I just listen to them on audio because I actually buy all the books I read or I listen to. That way I have the physical copy to take notes in if I need to. But uh, then, yeah, I think IRE came up, and I shot you over a message or something and seen if you are going yeah, IRE there. IRE for everybody at home is the International Roofing Exhibition where, like, you know, it's the biggest – it's the world's biggest roofing show. Uh, I usually go pretty much every year, and uh, so was, to me it was a no-brainer when Ben said he wanted to go, so that was cool. Tell me about what those books meant to you. Like, why would you read those books so fast? I mean, how often are you reading books like that? Is it, you know, yeah, so I would say – you four books and you just read them in a week like what made you do that <laughs> well i was like you know like if you asked me about them i wanted to say i read them so <laughs> like i was you know i'd like i gotta read these he gave them to me i'd you know be disrespectful not to read them <laughs> so most people would do that that i gave books to because yeah like reads <laughs> so i was like i gotta read them he gave them to me and then you know and plus i was interested in the whole eos system as well um so and they're, they're pretty short system for you folks at home that aren't familiar we did a podcast i can't remember what number but it's with ken Quistra. uh he's actually coming into town on tuesday and i might be shooting another podcast with him on uh on the people are part of it we did the first episode on vision there's six components there's vision there's people there's data there is process, there is issues, and then there's traction. So mm-hmm. what book did you find? Did you like that book the best, the EOS book's the best? Yeah, so you gave me Traction, Rocket Fuel, which was my favorite. Rocket Fuel is the favorite yeah. by far. Just because it, like, you know, it was at a time in, tech, in the technique roofing realm where I was having some, like, troubles visualizing how we move, how we were going to move forward. Um, cause there's so many people involved here as far as family, right? There's eight of us yeah. here, family, eight family members working together. Like it's like a nightmare. <laughs> so what you really meant to say if any of the family members are listening is that he loves all of you, but sometimes it gets tricky because you guys all want so many awesome things to happen for the company. Sometimes it's hard to get everything straight is what he really meant to say. 
Yeah, the worst part about working with family is that we're all so much alike. So it's like nobody's strengths. Like, there's like basically we're all the same. All of us like have the same strengths and the same weaknesses. Damn near. Yeah, you just work, so, you just work through it. Just a little bit more hard work, you know. We'll yeah. Get through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, but it was at a time where like uh, my uncle and my dad, we were we were in you know beginning talks of buying the company from them, and as a like us four my three cousins and myself are looking forward to, you know, how, how we operate this internally, like the whole, like within the people, because obviously we already know what we're doing with the companies and how we operate the processes and all that, which always can be improved, but like, how are we going to work together? Like, how do you do that? And yeah. keep, you know, keep the peace and, and keep, you know, it's, it's always easy when you're making money, but like, who's accountable for what. And that's kind of why I really liked rocket fuel because me and my cousin, Derek, I mean, it like to a T described us both. And it was just like light bulb went off. Which one's the visionary? Which one's the integrator? So Derek's the integrator. Um, he's like, like, I feel like they wrote the book about him. He's, he's like, awesome, he's, he's a really good, that's you know, awesome. he's really good integrator. And then, and I'm the visionary. Yeah, no, he's, 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 really really good at what he does and you know when you're working with for your dad and your uncle they don't really they just like look at you as one of them so like you're supposed to do your job and get all your stuff done but like Derek does everything really really good and like what I'm what I'm saying is you don't get like the the acknowledgement when you're working for family right kudos yeah you don't get any kudos so it's just like you're supposed to do that shit so like yeah you're supposed to stay yeah. after hours and sweep and take the trash out and you know, yeah. like, go do that rough, rough at 9 p.m that's what you're supposed to do but yeah. like he he does everything really well and he's really good at organizing i mean we have had no hiccups maybe like two days where we were waiting on some stuff during this whole debacle of supply chain breakdown and you're, you're waiting a year for things. And for us to have no issues, it's just like a huge testament to how good a, he is at operating and, you know, like how we work together and, and all that stuff. I mean, so it's, we've been, you know, he's a really good person to have on your team for sure. Have you guys, um, you guys started rolling EOS out even a little bit, like how your dad and your uncle are even on board now, right? Yeah. So like at first, you know, it was like a, it was hard convers. It was a hard conversation with them because, they, like, my uncle kind of took it as we're changing things, you know, and like, why are you changing shit? It's worked out great. <laughs> Don't fix it. Yeah, what are you trying to fix here, you know? But the whole thing about EOS is it's it is about process and stuff, but it's more, in my opinion, about how people work together and mesh together and how to solve them problems when there is issues. So that's what I looked at it as because I know that there's going to be issues with us because we're a family. And when we're working together, you know, you have emotions and stuff. And, well, you've got to go see each other on, like, the weekend still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah all the weddings and all the babies being born. And, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't just be like, you know, have an argument with them and not see them the Monday. Nor like, normally I see these people on the weekend. This is how it is. Right. Like you see them all the time, and like we're like to really like you know do all your work stuff right. Put your issues on there. Talk about them. You know, I, I feel like the cool thing with family is you know there's trust that's built, foundational trust that's built, which yeah, 
comes like, you know, comes pretty naturally to family businesses, you know, but every team needs trust. And then there's, you know, the conflict piece where you have to be able to have healthy conflict and solve problems and, you know, have really good arguments. And then at the end of the decide, at the end of that, somebody's got to decide and then commit and the whole team's got to commit to whatever that solution is. Right. And then you got to be accountable and then you got to have, you know, results, you know, and it's like, it's, you know, you know, the trust, you know, and then the conflict and then the commitment and then the mm-hmm. accountability and that gets your results. You know, that's the Patrick Lencioni uh, trust triangle. And I think that, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, family members or whether it's employees off the street, you know, you have to have that, but families can be tough because, you know, the silos usually are in your head. And like, when you go home, like, you're not going to say it to their face because you're you know afraid of the respect thing, right? It's respect. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. right. It's a good way still, to put it. There, now, we're just, now we're just stewing about it. And now our emotional intelligence becomes shorter and smaller. And, like, you know, then we become, you know, somebody could just, like, say one thing and we want to explode, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah, no, I've seen it happen. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm glad it's going good for you guys. I know the change is a little bit tough. How's everybody been acclimating to it? Because I know it's been about, what, but almost, what, three or four months since you guys really started doing it hardcore, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, like February. So yeah, about yeah, four months. This guy book in December. He started rolling it out in February. That's that's what kind of guy Ben Tippins is. He, he, he don't mess around. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. And I had like we had a meeting, one meeting with the whole family, and I presented like basically, I basically did the 90 minute session with the family, and then the lady came in and Laura, she's our EOS implementer. She came in and did a 90-minute session, and, like, it was a good refresher. But basically, we all went over all of it already. And, uh, I mean, it, it's good to hear it from somebody else sometimes as well. Yeah, it's good to have and, a third party in the room, right? Kind of, yes. especially with the, two, the dad and the uncle and then the, and then the kids, you know what I mean? And it's like, it keeps, like, you know, she's probably like Switzerland, right? Like, did everything kind of, you know, she probably just asks really good questions, and then she probably can help when emotions get a little high. She can probably calm it back down to like you know make sure that everything's working out. So, no, yeah, I mean, because it was, it was, it was tough for my my uncle and my you know I don't know maybe not so much my dad but just like the, it's sometimes it's hard to see it as a positive change when you think someone's like just changing what you did and it we you know we had them discussions like hey you know we're not changed you know we came together on one Sunday and had a meeting but it's 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 really good now and. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's been it's been really, really good how we've been running it. I'm very happy. It does take time to do. Oh, yeah. it, it does take commitment. And it's not like, you know, because you're putting stuff in the scoreboard and you, and you actually have to do stuff. It's not just like, hey, we're running this, you know. And so it does take time away, but it's uh helps you stay disciplined too. So. Yeah, and it improves efficiency over time. So that's cool. Well, the other book I gave you was Baseline Selling. And I think that, uh, you probably started following me on social. You know that I'm a big baseline selling fan. I do a lot of work with Ryan Groth and Sales Transformation Group. I had that uh, team kickoff and, like, training back, I think, at the beginning of March. You came and hung out with us for four days, which I was really impressed with. Tell, mm-hmm. tell, me, why you, tell me why you came to Pittsburgh and spent four days with me and the big fish team. Yeah, so you, I seen that it was an opportunity, and I was thinking about messaging you about it, and then – I didn't, but then a couple of days later I did, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> and so the reason I came out is just, you know, I've never had any sort of sales training in, in my life. It's just 
and I, and I was selling, obviously I was selling at that point. And I, you know, the last year I did over 2 million in sales by myself. So like, it's not like I'm not doing any sales, but like, I've never had any, like, I've always felt like I'm missing some part of the sales. Like the awareness isn't there. Right. So yeah. like, so I wanted to get into that and, and really get some more education on it. Like some stuff I'm missing. And what did your family say when you said you were going to do that for four days and go hang out again in another, you know, they probably thought you're just going away to another conference, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I mean, it was just, you know, the big thing is, again, it's like, I'm not the best at presenting things to my uncle and my dad and in a way that, because like, they just like, well, we sell, you know, we we got this way we do things. What's wrong with our way? You know, it's how it always is. And, And I'm like, I'm just looking like, you know, I'm not, like, I'm just looking at what other people are doing. I'm not yeah. saying we're not doing stuff good, you know? And so, you know, and they knew Ryan Groth was, and they're like, you know, my uncle's like, oh, that guy doesn't know how to sell really, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that baseball guy, you know? So, <laughs> but like, it's just how, you know, we work, we're hardworking family came up from, you know, really nothing made our own way my my dad and my uncle specifically and so that's how they are they're tough hard-nosed guys you know it's just kind of how it is and it's hard they don't need no help, right? yeah they don't need they don't need your fucking help that's just it is what it is man they they want you there but you're not going to tell them how to do it <laughs> like you better right. be there though <laughs> but no yeah. so so for me though it was really good to learn the like the different nuances of, of the sales training and just how similar really what I was already doing was to like the way that they're teaching the baseline selling. And obviously you can always get better. And, and I definitely got better because I took, so we have really good proposals. That's one thing we actually, they actually taught, you know, they actually ripped off our proposal at one of the Dural last seminars um, and taught everybody our proposal one year and, uh, without us knowing, of course, but anyways, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, punchline is though we have really good proposals and that's a really important thing in baseline selling as well to be able to present all that information. And sometimes you get a little undisciplined and cavalier when you're trying to do a lot of sales, you, you're trying to pump out, you know, proposals or you get into that whirlwind or that you just working and working and working and you, yeah. you take your spraying, eye off the details. Yeah. You're spraying and praying. I mean, it's, it's, it's what happens. Oh, man. Yeah. You, there's a hundred different names for it. <laughs> and so it's good to just reset yourself. And I actually end up taking what I learned there, what I relearned and what I learned in the next week, I had an appointment already set up. So, and it was with an old customer that we kind of lost. And so I went and my uncle and my dad, they're like, ah, we're not going to waste our time with them guys again. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, and I was like pumped up, you know, like just had these four days in. I'm like, dude, I'm going to go get this job. Like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to like just provide the value. We're going to get it. So I went there and then, you know, had the best proposal I ever made. Um, And we ended up getting the job. And then they're like, well, we have two other buildings too we want to do. And we did all these buildings before. We're well, not the one, but we did them 20 years ago. But they, 
again, they left us for a different contractor, the last job that they had. So we ended up getting three jobs, basically, because I, you know, because I was fired up, really, is what it was. You probably didn't shortcut the sales process. No. And you, delivered, and you delivered one of those high quality proposals that your dad and your uncle always have been known for. But you mixed mm-hmm. it all together and you got the work. How much work do you think you got? How many how many thousands of dollars was it? Uh, it was $159,000. $159,000. So if you guys are listening out there, if you guys come to a, a Ben Fisher slash Ryan Groff training, you too could walk away with $159,000 sale. <laughs> A week later, man. So that's awesome, man. That's yeah, awesome. and you know the really the, this is the biggest thing in that whole the whole thing was great, everything. But the biggest thing was from the sales training, and I, you know this as a salesman, you know you got to talk to the decision maker, right? But because we had these like um, role playing, you know, we did them, and we and it that did help me out a lot because the guy didn't want the decision maker involved. The other companies, there was two other companies. They didn't talk to the decision maker. And I was and I told him, you know, I really need to talk to both of you guys. Let's just have a time. I'm like, I, I can wait here. We can get him on the phone. You know, let's let's get this set up. Like I'm um we'll figure out a good time. We'll meet. And so he actually called him. He's like, Oh, you probably won't answer. He called him and he answered. We set up a time and then I got to talk to the actual building owner and not just the representative of the building owner. And I think that's the main reason why I got the job over the other people. That's that's the key. I mean, it really is the key. I tell my people all the time, you know. And anytime that I go through sales training, yeah, it always makes me a better salesman myself. You know, whether that's selling to a homeowner, whether that's selling to an employee, whether that's selling to my lawnmower guy, you know, that comes over and I need to sell him on the fact that he needed to cut my tree down. And he doesn't really do that. And I'm like, oh, no. And I, like, try to explain him all the benefits, right? I'm like, why? If he cuts my tree down and I pay him extra money, it's good for him, right? So mm-hmm. in life, you're, I always feel like you're either doing the selling or you're getting sold to, and especially with children. I know you got a couple – you got a small child. You got a couple sm- twins coming soon. And, mm-hmm. and your kids, you know, they're either going to be doing the selling to you <laughs> or you're going to be doing the selling to them. Oh, yeah. And you always want to be on that side of where, you're, like, you're using your influence – to be able to get, you know, what you want accomplished in life because, you know, as long as it's in the best interest for both parties, I mean, I think that's where a lot of people, you know, don't realize, you know, just because you might not be in traditional sales, which, you know, you probably thought you weren't in commercial roofing, you know, your dad and uncles built this great business. You guys got a great brand. You got the same customers coming back every time. You know, I know you guys do a lot of work for Wendy's and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, they do another Wendy's. Yeah. You just basically have to, yeah, you submit an estimate, but like, that's like order taking, you know, at, at a, yeah, at a, essentially like an account manager, you know, it's not like you're, you yeah, know, you're, an, you're an account manager for a lot of people. Yeah. You have to yeah. sell it originally. And as long as you don't mm-hmm. screw it up, you know, you're going to keep getting the work and that's fine. But like, how are you going to grow your business? Right. How are yeah. you going to train other people to do it? Right. Cause you're mm-hmm. gonna be good. And your dad and uncle probably are good, but how are they going to train the, the people that you guys are going to go out and hire to take over for your dad and uncle? Because you guys can't all do everything. And I feel yeah. like that's what, that's what baseline selling, that's what sales transformation group teaches. And I think it was me and you in the same boat. It's like I always knew kind of how I could sell. And it made me better. But now it's like I'm excited because like my team now has a system and a process that, uh, you know, we're all speaking the same language. And uh, that's awesome yeah. to see working well. That's, it. That's, the, that's definitely the difference between, you know, someone that's going to grow 
over someone that's just going to stay where they're at. And there's nothing wrong with staying where you're at. I mean, growth isn't always good. But if if you are going to expand and people are going to come in and sell, you want at least them to sell in a way that you approve of. So you have to have some sort of process. And it can't just be like ours has always been just riding with the guy. You know, I'm just with my uncle and yeah. or I'm with my dad. That's exactly how I learned. Listen, I, I rode around <laughs> my uncle for three years, I feel like. And, you know, and in the last two years, I was kind of out on my own. And sometimes it felt like, you know, I never could do it the way he would do it. And I was never perfect. And, um, yeah, it was hard, you know. And I, the same thing happens now when I, we train guys. It's like they, even the guys that I bring, bring in that went through all the sales training, they still come to me and say, oh, well, well, I haven't been trained good enough. I'm like, man, you're, you're trained 10 times better than I was ever trained. <laughs> I, said, I didn't know anything. You know, you, you're, in 90 days, you know more than I knew in the first three years. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and I try to explain that, but, like, you know, humans have such a thirst for knowledge nowadays, it seems like. It seems like we're education and training is where it's at. So Yeah. It's, well, you, it's, it's been fun getting to know you, especially all the similarities that we have, not just in name, but like in industry and the things that we're, mm-hmm. that we're excited about. Um, what uh, I know you're going to be coming into the office uh, later this week, so we're going to shoot another podcast in person, and we're going to talk all about commercial roofing. So we're actually going to get to the, to the nuts and bolts of commercial roofing, um, you know, which for some of you, um, you probably are like, man, that'll never be good for me. But I think for everybody, it'll be a good overview in case you ever run into a situation where, you know, you have a flat roof above you and things to look for and, and how to hire a good commercial roofer, um, different uh, techniques and no pun intended, you know, techniques <laughs> at the Ben's company. But let's just wrap it up really quick. Um, and let's just talk about VCon and let's talk about what was your VCon experience like? Um, how was it? What do you think's the future of NFTs? Is there any parallels of what you think NFTs can do for the roofing business? And we'll wrap up a show. Yeah. So VCon, I mean, it was a really good experience. You got to, it, it's, it's like anything else in life. It is what you make it. Um, if you just wanted to go to the talks and, and just listen and just be there, it's not going to be as good as if you're engaging with people and, you know, like, you know, re and touching people that you already talked to before in the past and like, you know, getting yourself back out there. So just, I mean, it's crazy the the caliber of people that were there to network with. And you really don't know who they are yet until, you know, 20 years goes by, but you can just, I, I could just tell it was a different feel than like a IRE conference or, or something like that. It was, it was a real diverse group of people from all different parts of the country, the world, from all different industries. Um, so it's just, it was really, everybody's story was interesting. And they all have the same core values, right? They all really yes. believe in the core values that Gary talks about, right? So like, we're all happy, we're all positive, we're all very optimistic people. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're also early to the space. So we all have that kind of mindset where like, we, we love change and we love the future. And we're not afraid of it. You know, like a lot of, you know, a lot of people in our, in our, our inner circle, sometimes in you know, our family and our friends, sometimes that are, I feel like that's kind of like, you know, that's, that's helpful. Did, what did you learn out there? Who did you meet that was interesting? Like, mm-hmm. what do you think, uh, what are you going to do in the space? I'm not, I'm not sure yet. You know, it's kind of like this. It's, it's like with the hangout hog, um, things. I never asked Gary a question 
during the hangout hog stuff and just listening because I'm just not sure wh- where I'm going yet or what I'm going to do with it. as far as the NFTs in the space. I mean, obviously it's coming, it's inevitable. I don't know what it'll look like in five years, 10 years, but I know the people that were at VCon are going to be around and in that space. And they're going to, some of them people that we met, like I met a 15 year old kid who has coded a bot to buy floor priced like NFTs. It's, it's like crazy stuff that, like, who knows what that kid could become? You know, like, yeah. the potential there is crazy. I mean... I think, that, I think that we saw, like, you know, the next Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, Elon yeah. Musk. Like, those guys were there at that conference. We won't know for 20 to 30 years from mm-hmm. now. And, you know, like, when you're 60, you know, I'm 70, like, well, we'll look back and we'll see all like who all the big, you know, tech superstars and who helped change the world and We'll look back and we'll say, well, they were at that conference. and Yeah, I think you're right. You're you're right on. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. Yeah, you're right on there. As far as roofing and NFTs, you know, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I have no clue. I would say (laughs) the only thing I could see utility-wise would be, like, jump the front of the line NFT. I'd like to give – I'd like to sell one of them. (laughs) But, um, you know, like if I'm I'm an insulation manufacturer – I would sell a NFT where you can get some, a semi-load of 2.2 next day. <laughs> people at home right now are like, what the heck's 2.2? So that's 2.2 insulation <laughs> during COVID. They had all kinds of issues and stuff like that. They couldn't get it for their roofs, but... It's a year the- out. It's a year out for 2.2. I'm, yeah, I'm having so two babies before I got 2.2. You stock a bunch of ones on top of each other or what? No, we just had... We, we had... We, We've been lucky, um, and we had one job that the state approved, not putting it down and doing something different, and that was a big job. So we had some left over from that. So we haven't had any huge need for it yet, um, but, you know, most people have. Do you plan on um, attending, like, NFT, any other NFT events throughout the year um, other than VCon? I know you uh, I know you went down to Miami for uh, a little thing down there. Do you plan on doing anything else this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have, have went to NFT NYC, but uh, with my wife about to have two kids, I'm not going to go there. You know, I could go maybe up to three hours away, but that's about it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to go to some more conferences and try to meet as many people as possible in the space. Um, as much as much as I can in my schedule, I will be going everywhere I can. So. Well, it'll be fun to uh, see at those events and – I do ask everyone five questions at the end of every podcast, especially for the first-time guests. What's mm-hmm. your favorite book all time? If you're going to an island and you can only take one book with you, what book are you yeah. taking? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I'd say Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins was a really good right. book. That yeah, one, that, I mean, that one. it's between that one and Endurance, by uh, which is a – I don't know that book. I know the Goggins book. I've read that book three yeah. times. Yeah, Endurance is such a, like, I had no idea about this book. It's about Ed or uh, Captain Ernest Shackleton and their voyage to the Arctic. They were the first people to go around it. Their ship sunk, like, right at the beginning, and they had to go without a ship. They just had little ships and crazy story, man. I wish they'd make a movie about it. So. Wow. All right, so you're going to that island, and you have to take a movie with you. What movie? Oh, man. Um favorite movie i really like comedies so i'm gonna go with um 
I'm gonna go with Caddyshack. I'm gonna go with Caddyshack. I mean, I'm terrible, but uh, yeah. but like, I love to golf. I just don't get to go a whole lot. So, and you don't get well, any better when you don't golf. <laughs> okay. So let's say on that island, you could put one restaurant on that island. What restaurant would you put there? What's your favorite restaurant? So it's I'd say Taco Bell, and it's terrible for you. And I've seen some really really bad Taco Bells being a roofing them. I've seen the most horrible things you could see at the Taco Bell. But it, I get it cheap and quick, and I'm always on the road. That's your favorite restaurant? No, it's not. But, like, it's, like, you know, real quick. Okay, I get that. But you're on the island, man. Like, you can have any restaurant you want to be there. So what do you pick? Are you really picking Taco Bell? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to probably go with something different then. Uh, I want to know what your favorite restaurant is. You favorite know? restaurant at all time? I forget what the restaurant was called. Oh, that place was. Yeah, that was that was really good. I, I would, you know, I would go with some like some steakhouse, like probably like uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. All right. All right. I love steak. And then, what's your favorite travel destination? Like, if you had to go be stuck somewhere for like a long time, like where would you want to go? Um, man, stuck somewhere for a long time. It'd probably be like somewhere. Oh, twins, and you guys got a babysitter. Where are you guys going? Well, we're probably going somewhere at the beach because my wife loves beaches and I love beaches. We went to um, probably the Caribbean, probably like, uh, you know, the Virgin Islands or uh, yeah. Berks and Caicos or something like that. We have that's never been. Cool. So that's the, that's next on the agenda, actually. And if you had this, if you could spend the day with somebody and pick their brain and talk to them or be around them, and who who, who, who would that be? Who would that be your favorite person to, to have, hang out with all day? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, hmm. I'd say probably Elon Musk, man, because he's so interesting. He just has so much going on. Elon Musk, cool, man. All right, listen. man. Well, listen, <laughs> I really appreciate you spending some time with me today to at least get everyone to know you. I feel like you're going to be, I'd be on this podcast over the next couple of years. If, as long as I can keep doing it, you'd probably be at least, I know you're going to be on here in the next couple of weeks for sure. I'm going to have a, a, another <laughs> episode published all about commercial roofing and, and things to look for in that world, but uh, I'm excited to be your friend in this V friends journey in the NFT space more than more than anything. So it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where V friends goes over the next couple of years, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. All right, buddy. How can people get a hold of you on Instagram, Twitter? Like, what's the best way to get a hold? Yeah, of you? I would say uh, Twitter. Um, just Benny T. F is the username, or Ben Timmons on Instagram. Either way. Um, yeah, Benny T. Eth, right? Yep, dot Eth. And then uh, yeah. my email is Ben at TechniqueRoofing.com. Cool, man. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Business Bears Podcast. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Big Fish Cares Podcast. It's our passion to help share stories and journeys, to help inspire optimism, to take action and accomplish your goals. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on the website at www.thebigfishcares.com. Find us on Facebook at The Big Fish Cares and on Instagram at bigfish.benny. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.